Hello and welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're at home, on your way to work, or at the gym, we hope you enjoy this episode. And a special welcome to our Crux Club Early Access members. You can learn more about that at crux-club.com. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to our listeners on Crux Investor and also to our Crux Club members. We're here for our weekly catch-up with Justin Hume, the Uranium Insider. How are you, Justin? Matt, it's been a few weeks. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. But you, you've been ill. You've had a sore ear. You've been getting it in the ear, as we say over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe there. Gosh, there's probably some symbology there. There is. Um, yeah, okay. actually, have you ever heard of this uh, alternative doctor named Louise Hay? No, she's, uh, Louise Hay. She's totally. a little bit. She's probably in her 80s at this point. Um. She wrote a book back in the 70s, I believe, that was a little bit kind of on the hippy-dippy side of things, but it's really quite interesting. So she she would treat people for various symptoms <clears throat> holistically. Mm-hmm. But anytime somebody had a symptom, she would do a little bit of kind of psychotherapy and figure out what was going on in their life. And, and over a number of decades, she would formulate all of these symptoms that were associated with different things going on in, in their emotional state and their psychology. And there was a lot of correlation. It, it would repeat that X was wrong. Uh, <laughs> X thing was going on in your life and these physical symptoms were manifesting. It's quite fascinating, actually. So God I need to look at that now and see what it means with ear problems. Uh, probably, I probably just don't want to hear any more bad news in the world. Yeah, over, over <laughs> here, the phrase is, like, if you're in someone's ear, you're, you're kind of giving them a, a hard time and you want them to do, do something or behave a certain way. Um, yeah, so you, anyway, you, you've, been, you've been suffering a little bit, but you're, you're better now. It's not COVID. I don't think so. Yeah, no, just, just, just kind of an earache, like a, not painful, just kind of uh, imbalancing. So it's, you know, able to go about my day-to-day life, but just feeling a little off. But yeah, I'm, I'm coming through it. Everything's all good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're not milking it. Like, this isn't like man flu. This is, you're, you're not milking this, getting your wife to do everything for you, are you? Oh, no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I've been working more than ever along with the ear thing, so all good. Yeah. Good. Plus, I forgot she's Argentinian. I'd be like, get out. Go around. <laughs> get out. Earn the money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Those excuses don't fly in my household. Tough. Those are tough women. Um, uh, Matriarchs. These these matriarchs need to be listened to. Well, anyway, so you're you're back. um, Hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, feeling feeling a little bit better. So that's great news. So we are going to catch up. We've got a bit to catch up on because we we kind of missed out a couple of weeks here. so what's happened since we last spoke? We, we, we've had the nuclear fuel report, the expanded summary, the expanded summary. I like that as an idea. It's the first time they've done it. But what did you think of the actual document? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it, um, I mean, there weren't really a whole lot of bombshells on there. It was more kind of just a reiteration, sort of a, a just some dialogue and explanation behind the visuals that we've seen. It's the actual fuel report is somewhere around thousand dollars, eight hundred to thousand dollars US, maybe a little bit more, if I recall correctly. So it's out of the price range of a lot of a lot of folks. So most people have not been purchasing this, I guess, that are not necessary industry folks. So all we've really seen on the retail side is, you know, screenshots of 
of the primarily those supply demand graphs, the, the lower the reference and the upper scenarios with all of the assumptions that we've never really understood. So this this document went into what those assumptions are that led to those numbers. And I think that was kind of the most interesting part for me. And and it just really kind of went through pretty thoroughly without being overly thick and esoteric in industry terms. It's it's an excellent document for somebody that's just new to the sector that kind of wants to dig into what's really, you know, what the hell's really going on here. I really appreciated that they'd put this out and yeah, I highly recommend people to check it out for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, 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 I thought it was great. I agree with everything you just said, because if you're, you know, when it probably didn't, it wasn't, a, well, there were no bombshells for you. You know what you're talking about. You've been in this for a while and you really dig into the detail, but for people coming into this new, you, to lay it out like this, to, you know, talk about, you know, the, 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 you know, well, how it all works, how it all fits together. And then, you know, then once you've sort of understood how it all fits together and some of the terminology, this new vocabulary you're going to have to learn, um, lays out a, you know, I think it's three different scenarios, um, you know, for what, you know, how, you know, how, how this thing could look. So I think it was a, it was a great job. Um, a lot of people involved putting this together, um, we spoke to one of them last week, Brandon, who who was you know involved on the demand side of things. But uh, you know, he, I think he and a couple of others pushed really hard to get this out of there because it, it just breaks it down. It kind of demystifies it somewhat. You know, cause it's quite a technical thing, and the the you know the whole process. And if you don't understand something, isn't it, you can't invest, right? And then you've got to take a view as to you know how these variables join up together. So no, I. I really appreciate it. And, you know, we, we've definitely been promoting it and putting the links on it. We'll put it on, we should put it on this podcast too, shouldn't we? Make sure. So if you're new to, yeah, or you're thinking of investing in uranium, you should definitely read this document. It's called the Nuclear Fuel Report Expanded Summary. Someone to look for. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty special. Honestly, I'm just thinking about this a little bit more thoroughly as we're talking about it. And the uranium industry, uh, by comparison, especially the investing side, to let's say the precious metal space is, is so small, and to have an organization like the like the uh, uh, World Nuclear Associations put this information out for free, and this is you know again it's not really the it's not the investing side that's putting out this information. This is this is an explanation kind of to the world um, what's really going on here. And these are the scenarios: nuclear is growing. These are our assumptions that go behind our projections. And it's pretty awesome that we have this resource. It really is very informative on so many levels. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was the <clears throat> there was a graph between. So they released the new the fuel report every two years, and it, it came out last fall, 2019. And they have an overlaid graph of <clears throat> of the three scenarios from 2017 to 2019. And it was really interesting to see how much that changed in two years. Uh, in particular, with the lower scenario. So, from the through the course of, I guess you could probably say 2016 to 2018, because it takes so much time for them to put these models together before releasing the report. You know, a lot had changed in the industry to to alter those scenarios. I think probably one of those things was um, increased plans for growth out of China and uh, increased number of life extensions for the reactors. But it's a pretty big change, and 
you know, the, for the first time in a very long time, I think they said over a decade, where all three scenarios, they show a rise in, in nuclear demand out into uh, the end of out to 2040, essentially. Yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. Some pretty cool stuff. Some pretty cool charts and uh, and numbers in there. Um, my takeaway, <laughs> yeah, that was your takeaway. My takeaway was <laughs> that a lot of the market commentators did not appreciate the enrichment and fuel fabrication supply demand side of things. Otherwise, they would not have been touting the return of the uranium industry last year. That's my takeaway, okay? Because we saw a lot of people um, shouting from the rooftops about this is the year, guys, this is the year, as they had done in 2018 as well. And it's quite clear from conservative um, predictions from people like the WNA, like UXC, like trade tech, that that was absolutely not the case. And But they were being ridiculed in a way, or so, maybe ridiculed is a bit strong, but ignored, mm. definitely ignored. And even people like um, John Borshoff, was, he definitely was being ridiculed. We, we spoke to people because, mm. you know, his, his view was that last year was not the year. In fact, this year may not be the year. Um, so I think that was my big takeaway, just sort of seeing this in, in the cold light of day, you know, you know, following on very quickly from the U.S. utilities um, numbers, which came out three weeks ago, where, again, people were expecting the cupboard to be bare, and it definitely wasn't. So I, I, this, is a, this was a nice, easy way to look at all of those numbers without trawling through that massive report uh, even if you could afford it right. and say, well, this is the reality of the situation. So you can take a punt on this, go early, sit back, you know, and um, give a drink somewhere. And, you know, when the market pops, it will pop and it'll be good. Right. It'll be really good. It won't be crazy yeah. like, like, like last time, but it'll be good. And you'll, you'll do well if you pick the right company. Um, and I, th I think more people last year should have been paying attention to people like the WNA and the UXCs and the trade techs of this world and look, looking at the supply demand issues. And that is with these huge, you know, we, we call, we're, calling, we're calling them uh, white swan events, aren't we? Uh, of Cameco um, closing down Cigar Lake with Kaz Atom prompts, you know, in effect uh, stopping production. You know, with 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 COVID affecting um, productivity in Namibia and Australia, that's with those things which weren't written into the plans last year. You know, we didn't know this was coming. So I think right. I think some of the predi predictions last year were way off, and that that that's my, that's my take out. And like, I'm, and there's there's no there's no joy in 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 saying that, but it's an observation that sometimes the experts don't know what they're talking about in whichever commodity, not it just happens to be uranium. So you've got to go and find the facts and do your, do your homework on, on uh, your investments. That, that, that's all I'm saying. So I think that was a bit of a, I guess, um, a coming together of all, all of those things. And that, 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 that's what I looked at there. The enrichment fuel fabrication bit was largely being ignored last year. by A lot of people, mm. there we go. There's yeah. my, there's my bombshell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those those are all really great points. Um, yeah, yeah but, it's but, uh, but yeah. you know, I think I I think so. Having said that, for people new, so I think there's a lot of people in uranium who've gone. I've 
made my bets. I'm happy. I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to whine about it. And there's a lot of people going in there. This is BS. This hasn't moved. I'm really upset. I'm quite annoyed. I've lost opportunity costs. I could have been investing in gold. I could have been investing in whatever they thought they could have been investing in. So I'm pretty, pretty peed off um, for the last two years, three years of investment. So that's, that, and, that, and that, that's true, true for them. But um, I think, you know, my, my view positive for people coming in and looking at nuclear uh, or sorry, uranium investments in the nuclear industry as a whole, I think we will see something towards the end of this year. If, if you know, maybe push back to Q1 next year where we get a few more clues from the marketplace. And I would hope that um, some companies are recognized uh, more than others uh, in terms of their, their ability to contribute into the next cycle. So there you go. That, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. Not that you were asking good, quite rightly. No, <laughs> no, please. I mean, contribute as much as you'd like. I think we all respect your, your opinions on the space. I mean, shoot, you've done so much work and have talked with so many people in the industry. So your opinions are more than valid. And I completely agree. I mean, it's the, the sector is so incredibly complex. It's crucial it's just one of those spaces, and maybe this is kind of an investing lesson overall, especially with these sort of resource-based contrarian-type setups. You really have to do your own work. I mean, you really have to do that because there's no other way that you can you can take responsibility for your investments if you're if you're doing so based on someone else's recommendation or someone else's enthusiasm for something, because that enthusiasm might be rooted in a different place than your own. So, you know, I mean, for me to <clears throat> be excited about a certain piece of the sector and have a, my own opinions on the outlook, um, I, I sincerely could be thinking in terms of five years, which I am. So if you're, if you're first coming to this and then you hear from somebody like me expressing enthusiasm about something, it doesn't mean I think my, my stocks are going to double in the next month or the next three months. It means that my outlook is improving based on what I'm looking at and the research that I've done, which has been vast. It's just one of those sectors that's so incredibly complex that you just, you really have to do your own work. And luckily there's a hell of a lot of good information out there. It's just a matter of sitting down and doing it. There so, you, you know, so honestly, like my newsletter is not really about trying to convince people that this is the space to be in and that you should go all in right now on anything that has uranium in the name. It's more of this is what I believe is a, is going to happen on this time scale. These are the companies that I like, and this is what you should be watching out for. No, I like, so, li I like what you've done. Sorry, that, that wasn't a yeah. ticket. All, all commentators, that was a ticket. Some commentators. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I like what you've done. If I, you know, if I look at, um, the, I didn't think you were critiquing me, by the way. So I wasn't responding God. in that way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely not do that. I think you <laughs> you know too much and work too hard. Um, no, but you know what I mean. I think I think so the, the couple of points you make there is one: know your own strategy. So know thyself um, and work out what your strategy is, whether it's long, medium, or short term, um, and then invest accordingly. And you know. I think clearly uranium investments have been a longer term investment. And if that's your strategy, that's super. If you have gone into it because someone, as you say, enthusiastically told a story 
which sounded great and that hasn't come true, then no wonder you're upset. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to look in the mirror and go, okay, that's down to me. This is my core. I can't go, but you said that, that you're, you're grown up. You don't get to say that anymore. Um, right. But I, so, but, so, 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 so I think, I think, I think we, I think we, we agree with each other, but I want to, I want to come mm-hmm. to um, the newsletter you put out um, possibly a word a week, week ago. Um, so I think at number 40. Number 40. This is your free newsletter. I have to say, very good. Oh, right. Yep. I liked it. I liked it. Um, it's your free newsletter and free should be a cue for people going, well, how do I get that? Well, you can get that at uraniuminsider.com. And I do encourage you to, because you did a, quite a bit of work here. Um, I mean, t- tell, us how you, tell us what you did and then how you, how you kind of went through that process. So <clears throat> I... You know, I, I get a lot of people reaching out to me, as you probably do as well, um, just through Twitter, through email, whatever it might be. And um, just really great conversations, direct messaging through Twitter, actually. Um, and, you know, people are, are, are often reaching out to me, just kind of asking, well, what about this? And what about that? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? Just as they should, just kind of poking the bear and and trying to see what exactly could be wrong with this thesis for a, for a long investment, let's say, um, <clears throat> which everybody should do. You should always just assume you're wrong and continue to try to find out how that could be. I think that's pretty important, especially with a contrarian investment. Um, you know, if you're going long technically and you're not even looking at the sector or the company, you're just looking at charts, that's a whole different story. There's a case to be made for that. But in this case, the whole idea is buying a sector that looks like shit, pardon my French, um, and having an outlook that's contrarian based, you really kind of need to understand why anyone would want to do that and why you might be wrong. So obviously, the number one thing that, that, that people will ask me about is there's all of this idled capacity, you know, the mines that are currently in care and maintenance that are closed, but can come back online when the prices are right, that they're just going to come back, it's going to fill the supply demand gap and bull market over. And so I just kind of dug into that in this email. Um, It's not super exhaustive, but I basically just kind of looked at the individual mines of significance that are expected to come back online <clears throat> within the next, let's say, three, four years or sooner based on rising prices and what effect that could have on the market. So, yeah, I just, I broke them all down. I mean, you want me to keep discussing a little bit? Like the, yeah, yeah the, I do. The I, or, well, yeah, yeah, because what, what I'm, what I liked is the fact that you had said, right, okay, well, let's, let's work out what can come back online relatively quickly. And then I'm going to look at some of the companies that could, for the first time, get back, get into production relatively quickly, technically, because obviously there's a few hurdles to jump um, in different cases. And, you know, and then sort of start, and it gives you an idea of the sorts of numbers. And because when you, when you understand what the supply side can do, or rather uh, it's, you know, it, it it can't do <laughs> in terms of the numbers, you know, if the numbers um, on the supply side don't match the demand side, then it gives you clues as to what the, what the price might start doing. 
because everyone's going to be in the hunt for the same pounds. So right. I think I thought I just thought, I, I just loved the 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 problem you were trying to solve. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just wanted to break it all down and okay, let's just walk through this. How <laughs> what what mines are of significance are going to come back online, or at least I mean you can't even say that with hundred percent certainty. Um, but you can make certain assumptions about what the companies are claiming based on, based on numbers. And, you know, so that's Paladin's Langer Heinrich, <clears throat> which is a little over 5 million pounds a year projected. Um, that went down in 2018. There's MacArthur River also went down in 2018 from Cameco, which is a much larger mine, 18 million pounds a year. Historically, they have a license to produce more, but, um, you know, they closed that 2018 due to low prices, right along with Langer Heinrich. Then you have Cigar Lake that's closed now due to COVID, which some might argue is also somewhat price related as well. But I don't know that we even need to go there. And then because Prom, which doesn't really have Karen and maintenance, uh, mines on Karen maintenance, and as far as these other mines, which are hard rock mines, <clears throat> MacArthur Cigar and, and uh, Langer Heinrich. But because Adam Prom has halted wellfield development due to COVID, which most of your listeners are probably already aware. Um, you know, and there's there's some smaller mines that are higher priced that um, I didn't really even consider here primarily because they are higher priced, which is kind of like the problem fixes itself in a way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, the overall, the overall assumption here is that all of these mines that are down... <clears throat> With let's say an exception of Kazadam Prom's currently halted uh, wellfield development, and perhaps cigar, they need higher prices. So it's like yes, all the supply eventually will likely come back online, but will also be at fifty five dollars uranium when that happens. So it's in a way it was kind of a long form means of saying sure, this supply can and will come back, um, but we're already going to be here when that happens and then going mine by mine in realistic timelines. So gosh, you know, I mean the, the, the timelines for these mines is, uh, is really an interesting thing. I was looking into, um, uh, Mongolian uranium production and the mines that are being developed there. And Orono's got some JVs out there and I was, I can't, I'm forgetting the name of the mine right now, but it's like, they made the initial discovery in the early 2000s and and another discovery in 2011 and <clears throat> they they established the the JV in 2013. I'm just throwing these numbers out there. These are not precise, but just kind of making a case for how long this stuff takes. And these are ISR mines, arguably in a jurisdiction that probably doesn't give a shit about what they're going to be how they're going to be producing. Oh, I, don't, um, I don't know about it's that. It's now 2020. I disagree with that. Every 20 years, Ziggy. <laughs> I disagree with Mongolia because we were talking to an Australian gold miner. He's been mm -hmm. working in Mongolia for about 10 years. They just can't get this thing going because mm. it's, it's hard to get into production there. They've got mm. so many restrictions. So, you know, so, so again, um, gotcha. jurisdiction comes into play. And yeah. this is this is slightly radioactive stuff we're talking about now, not gold. So you know, right? It, you've got the same issues. You've got the same issues, right? Globally, so well, I stand corrected on that front. But <clears throat> just the timeline of, you know, we're now looking at twenty years from initial discovery for an ISR project. Yeah, that's that's yet to start producing. Yeah. Um. So, 
I think that the Bear case arguably should make assumptions that are quite conservative uh, as far as assuming that these mines will come back online without any problems at the price that the companies say that they need. Right. <clears throat> and if you're and if you're and if your bull case flies with those assumptions, then you know that you're at least probably in a decent place. Mm. So yeah, Langer Heinrich is talking $45 to $50 uranium um, before considering restarting the mine, but they've expressed in multiple interviews they would quote, would be happy with $50 to $60 uranium. So we have to consider not only <clears throat> just their all-in sustaining cost for operating the mine, but what about the care and maintenance costs for years? I mean, we're talking Langer Heinrich, let's say full production in 2023, that would be care and maintenance for four, four and a half years and the costs associated with that, plus all the GNA costs. Um, I mean, you you really can't just look at the all-in sustaining costs of a mine, of a producing mine, and expect the company to, to, to bring that asset back online, let alone turn a profit. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're talking 50, 60 uranium before they even think about it, and they're going to want to sign some contracts, at least partially. Uh, before bringing that back online, they might not want to or need to fully subscribe future production of the mine into long-term contracts. But um, some contracts are going to be needed to justify it and to and to secure uh, the money needed to restart the mine, which is in that case, I believe it was $80 million. Um, plus, they've got a pretty good chunk of debt that they need to consider the matures around the time that they want to bring the mine online. So there's all of these financial considerations for this particular company and that particular mine. It's not like we see 50 bucks and they snap their fingers and everything's golden. It's really a complex mix of, of numbers and details to be considered. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And they've, they've all got, they've all got this problem, but it, it's, let's assume, say that, that hypothesis, right. They get to a price which is suits them to come back on, right? You, there was a wide range there. You said thirty-five to fifty, right? And of course, they would like fifty to sixty, and they'd probably like sixty to seventy even more. Okay, so yeah. But the 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 interesting point is, at what price would they? So, what what price would the contracts need to be signed at to get them to start? And how how many pounds would they need to be? Um, signed up for, you know, would they want a five-year contract for all their pounds to get things going again? I mean, again, there's so many ways you can cut that pie, right? So the, the, these right. contracts are just, you know, 101 ways to do them. So it's, it's, it, they're, they're, they're mm -hmm. complex. And, you know, let's assume those four guys can reach some sort of agreement where they're happy to get in pressure, but that's still not enough by some ways. So there's a second wave of company uranium producer which is going to need to for the first time probably so no that's not true there's a sort of second wave of people who perhaps majority of whom have been in production before but don't have that many pounds and don't have that bigger production capability on an annualized basis um which still isn't enough and then there's a third wave of company which has not yet produced which is going to need to overcome all of the hurdles from you know permitting licensing building 
you know, transportation, storage, and assuming they did, they were able to get contracts, um, who, you know, we, we're going to need to, as investors, say, well, you know, so where do I want to sit? Do I, if I want a, a uranium portfolio, do I go for one of those four big producers? Do I go for that second tier? Do I go for the third tier? In, in, in which case, which ones do I go for? That That's the interesting question here. Who do you think is most likely out of, out of those three tiers to actually be able to deliver and therefore hopefully right. drive some accretive value for shareholders and, and at what price? So much fun. So much fun as an investor. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, those are all good questions, especially to ask from an investing perspective. Um, you know, but there's also, you know, the, mar- the market's forward-looking. So when you have let's say two or three years of a decently strong bull market, maybe more, which I would argue had started, but it's kind of stalled out at the moment, waiting for the next catalyst. Um, plus the broad market is wacky in the uncertain times we're living in, et cetera. But when you have, when you have a sector that's surging, just about everything will kind of go up. So it's, it, it's kind of a, a complicated question what companies will provide shareholder value. And it's not necessarily only the ones that are physically pulling uranium out of the ground. <clears throat> but I do think that that's obviously a consideration. And I think that the companies that are going from, if there's a company that can bring a greenfield project out of development into production during the height of the bull market, I think those are that's probably the companies that's that are going to bring the most value as far as return on investment from these levels, but it's not necessarily the safest investment. So there's, there's a lot of people that I highly respect that really like Paladin and, and they like that uh, this company can bring a, a pretty decent production online within a decent time frame, assuming we have those prices and they can sign those contracts. Um, what do you say? So, yeah, sorry. Go on. No, that's okay. No, I mean, it's just, that's not to say that, you know, when I'm highlighting the prices that they need and the debt that they have, and all, I'm not trying to make a bearish case for, for Paladin. I'm just kind of trying to point out the things that, okay, yeah, they say they're aspirational all in sustaining costs is, you know, 29 to $33 a pound based on, based on the mine plan and the CapEx needed. But realistically, with an AISC of 30, they want 50 to 60 to have a profitable company and to be able to pay off that $138 million debt that's due in 2023 and the $80 million CapEx to start the mine and to cover their care and maintenance costs of the past four years by the time they come online. It's, just, it's a large chunk of money, and they're certainly not going to risk bringing that on at $40, $45 just so they can scrape by, you know, they're, you know, they're going to need to raise money for the capex and the debt, and and the the lenders for that of that amount of money are going to want to know that they're going to be paid back with cash flow. It's tough. Who, who would be a uranium CEO? That's the question you got to ask. In fact, which leads me nicely onto the next topic. I want to talk about M and A. Okay, so we've seen a few names. We've seen a few companies buying up former uranium producing assets in the US and I want to today bring to you a company called Delecta. Sounds, sounds nice doesn't it? Delecta. Delecta. Yeah they're an ASX um, company 
saying um, they picked up a controlling interest in a um, American uranium project, which has a lot of old workings, a lot of high grade vanadium as well. And um, so Delacta is going to um, pay something, I, I can't remember, it's like 150,000 bucks plus 20 million of options, I think, with um, for 60% of Sunrise Minerals. They own the, um, I don't know if you remember this, the RX Uranium Vanadium project in Colorado. Mm. Yeah, so that, that's, that's another new entrant to the market. So there's been, there's been a lot of new entrants into the marketplace. But I, this, th- this, this one... Um, this one stood out for me because it's it's actually uh, I think Delecta is is Malcolm Day's company. Do you know Malcolm Day? I don't. All right, so he's he's a quite a colourful Australian individual. I think, and back in the dot com day, he um, he founded adultshop.com. Hmm. Do you know that? What is it called? Adultshop.com. No, I don't. Key that into this is not my, a mining company, I take it. No, well, <laughs> gold digging maybe, but um, or <laughs> I, I've got to be careful here. But the, the, anyway, so I, I wouldn't recommend you key it into your um, web browser unless you know how to delete your history. Um, so yeah, Malcolm Malcolm Day is, is um, taking a, a foray into the world of uranium, um, and. Uh, He's, there's, 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 there's too much in here. There's, um, but he, he, I think he's going to bring a lot of color to the sector for sure. A lot of, a lot of color and prob- probably, probably, like probably a lot of awareness to the sector, you know, cause he's going That'd through a kind of, yeah, I think, I think it will be good. His, um, his former penthouse, uh, pet Brie Maddox is, I think that's, a, that's his former wife. They're, they're going through a kind of quite acrimonious divorce at the moment. And, uh, She's accusing him of using the divorce to promote his various companies. So I, I, I think, <laughs> I, I think well, we're coming it's in for a story. It's a great story. It's a great story, yeah. and he's he's probably a really nice guy, and 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 so is his former wife. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some some fantastic headlines and some fantastic commentary on Twitter about that. You know, so. This is the first I've heard of it. Yeah. Really? Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick up a, a National Enquirer so I can read more. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll try and dig out the, dig out the document, but I, 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 I take a note when I saw that one. It's in a sort of Australian press called um, businessnews.com.au, um, which does, does put out some fantastic, fantastic uh, commentary at the market. But yeah, there you go. So, so the, in the, on the serious side, that's another new entrant into the uranium space. Um, someone who yeah. doesn't have a history of mining or uranium or the US. Right. But he's decided, because he's got made a lot of money back in the day from, from excitable young teenagers uh, or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that he's going to get into the world of mining uranium. Now, w- what you know and I know it's going to happen is that with a lot of promotion, you'll probably get a lot of people to invest in that. For sure. And that makes me nervous. That worries me. And that's literally the thing which scares me the most about um, what's, what's coming up and all of these new companies buying old assets which didn't work 
and they, it wasn't case they didn't work at a certain price. They they just didn't work, and mm-hmm. um, inexperienced people coming in and trying to get things which didn't work to work right. on someone else's dime. I think that's going to be just a little bit unacceptable in my eyes, anyway. So I think we're going to call these people out as and when we see them, um, but. I'm going to, like I say, enjoy, enjoy the uh, promotion without necessarily putting my money down uh, on that one. Right. There you right. go. Interesting stuff. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> I think, I think that, gosh, there's probably been about 10 companies yeah. in the past three or four months, wouldn't you say? Yep. That yeah. have either just kind of come out of the blue or have shifted gears towards uranium. Or just bought crap in the market with the word uranium involved and hoping that the market's going right. to take off. Um, right. You know, right. segued from other types of companies to uranium companies. So, you know, I think one guy, I can't quite remember who was it. They're on their third version of whatever it is that they want to be. That's just, a, to me, that's pump and dump right there with no, mm. no experience. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, we, we're going we're gonna to dig these out. We're going to go through the new acquisitions and uh, we're going to do an article on that because I think you're all going to have something in common. Nice. Yeah. I yeah. Think. I mean, it's, it's a great sign for the sector, honestly. It's um, a great sign because it, sa- it says the story from the last, from the last run, right? Yeah. And I think that's what people are hoping. Um, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a bar completely of that. I don't think, like I said, we talked about this before. It's not going to, it's not going to hit 140. Just that's not going to happen. Um, this cycle is going to be hopefully more measured because we, we've hopefully all learned from our mistakes, but there will be a slew of companies coming in. There will be started already. Yeah. It's already started. And I, I agree with you. I don't, I'm not expecting that high of a uranium price, but, but I think that the supply demand situation is tight enough that an interruption to supply similar to what happened in the last run could send it on that shot. Like the risk, the risk is there that could allow that to happen, but I'm not expecting it to happen. Okay. I buy that. I mean, really what happened and because, because we really have a a tighter supply demand situation than we did back in 2005, 2004, Mm -hmm. um, much tighter. And all it took was a couple of mines to, you know, cigar flooded, I think twice MacArthur flooded once. There was another interruption, I think, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting which mine it was. I think it was an African mine, wasn't it? Something happened there. Anyways, black swans can come and interrupt that, but I'm not expecting it. But just really quick, back to the <clears throat> back to the companies that are popping up. Um, clearly, that's showing that uh, people within the mining space see an upside potential for their for their own bottom line, right? Their own pocketbook to create these these shell companies and jump into the space, um, which is, I, I think that that's generally kind of forward looking for the space because I don't think these people are dumb. Um, they might be trying to take advantage of investor sentiment and jump into a sector that's showing growth potential within a completely crazy market. But I don't necessarily think they should all be immediately dismissed. In fact, there's, there's one I'm not going to mention here because out of respect for my paying members that's going to be a, a added stock pick for the next quarter um, that I really think is a great speculation. That's one of these new companies that shifted gears towards uranium. And it looks like it just on paper without digging into the team, 
without digging into the finances, et cetera, and without speaking to management and knowing their plans. It just looks like another one of these fly-by-night kind of, uh, let's change our name, let's move from this metal to that metal and just ride the wave kind of thing. But I think it's really a great opportunity. And okay. it's going to be a, re- a recommendation. But I agree. I'll I look agree generally it. speaking with you. And I think that you should, by all means, call them out. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to do the digging. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I won't be so cavalier to say I'm going to call everyone out as, as bullshit without having done the homework, right? But um, we've seen enough of of some of the new names to know that the management team didn't know what they're doing in the last company in a commodity, commodity that they worked in to switch over and then say, I'm going to work in a commodity I know nothing about and it'll be okay. The, the, right. the common theme is that they can't run a bloody yeah. company. That's, that's right. the thing. That's the common thread here and they can't make money yeah. for shareholders and I've got no track record of having done that. And if I listen to some of the wise heads in this space who constantly say the thing, the, one of the biggest problems in this space, even for companies which have a decent asset is the, the people have not got the experience of having worked in this industry. It's, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make expensive mistakes. Um, because it's complicated. And I do believe that I, I am a big buyer of that. Um, cause you know, there are some companies with great assets out there who are just, you know, keep making mistake, mis- expensive yeah. mistakes, keep yeah. driving that share price down and, um, are, are ruining what yeah. should be perfectly good companies. Um, Assuming they can, you know, get all the ducks ducks and align, aligned. Um, so, yeah, some work to do. I'm um, looking forward to hearing yes. the company that you're going to recommend. Um, I, would, I, I would take that very seriously if you if you did. Uh, so right. I would personally would take that very seriously about one of your recommendations. Um, I think you you do do your work. You you know you do get into the detail. And you do know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I think I think good the points. M- no, M- good, good points. Good points, yeah. Justin. You're Proceed great. That's a good point. If, <laughs> if, if you if you as as an investor are are going to speculate on one of the new companies just just popping up out of nowhere, just proceed with caution. Mm. Either either ride it and uh, and and take profits, um, a la GTI Resources, or dig in and figure out what the hell's going on with the company. And if you really like it on a fundamental level, then maybe you can get in at the ground floor and one of these things that could really, could really fly in the next few years, but buyer beware. Buyer beware. Always. Always. Well, look, um, there we go. Oh, I better mention. So we, I, I am chairing a panel at the Oz IMM. That's the, uh, annual uranium show usually held in Melbourne and um, right session I'm sharing is on Wednesday. I better, I better get out there and let people know about that. Hadn't I? Some good names. Excellent. Some really good names. Excellent. Are you going to, are you going to listen in? Are you going to give that a go? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. There's um, a lot to talk about. I think you're, <laughs> a lot to you're talk chairing about. a panel, right? Yeah, I've got, uh, who have we got? I've got, uh, I've got, uh, John Borshoff, got Mike Alkin, the great Mike Alkin, uh, and, and Truva Klingbiel, who is the, um, trade tech, head of trade tech 
So yeah. they all bring something different to the party. It should be good. Should be that good. That should be great. Yeah. I've been told to behave though. Oh, really? Yeah. No tough questions. You're going to be able to pull that off? Yeah. <laughs> I've literally been told to behave. No, 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 no curveballs. None. <laughs> well, we can all, we can all uh, subscribe to the Crocs Club to get those curveballs. It's true. I can always give my opinion we, after, can't I? We value your hard questions for sure. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes, sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, hey, do, you, do you get any trolls? Do you do you, do you like a troll, or just as everyone love love you? I can imagine everyone just loving you. Or do you? No, it's no? not true. Really? No. Yeah. He's nasty yeah, to you. It's not true. I'll get him. I'll get him. <laughs> Who is yeah. it? I I've got a couple of trolls. <clears throat> oh, I don't want to mention any names. Oh, don't mention any names. God, no. Don't give him the oxygen of. Don't give him the oxygen of life. Um, if you don't have any trolls, then you're not you're not you're not doing well. Oh, I get trolled. Gotta, I get trolled at both ends, Justin. What do you get? What do you get trolled yeah. for? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I get trolled for. What do you get trolled for? Oh, I, well, somebody who is not subscribed to my newsletter was critiquing the newsletter. Okay, um, which is fine. I mean, by all means, like I understand there's a there's a case to be made against newsletter writers because there's so many, especially in the precious metal space that you know, just kind of, they, they have the stock picks to try to get a surge of volume into positions they already have and, and charge a lot of money for it. And there, you know, it leaves a lot of a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, you know, I, I take positions at the same time that I recommend them. So I like to be in the, in the same place as my, as my subscribers, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, critique something that you've actually seen would be a start. I actually know who the person is. They're, they're a, a classic curmudgeon in the uranium mining space masquerading under a false uh, avatar, but I'm not going to say any more than that. So, but that's fine. I mean, I, I appreciate the trolls. I mean, they keep me on my toes. Yeah, that's true. I think that's the way to look yeah. at it. You know, yeah. sometimes it's from a good place. Sometimes it's not. Curmudgeon, that's a great word. I haven't heard that in a while. Oh, <laughs> done. That word. It's a yeah. great word. Um, yeah, so, so it's How kind can of. You have trolls. You oh, like I said, I get trolls at both ends. Fantastic free content for two years, <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> prolific. I mean, how can anyone find anything negative about that? I know you'd think you'd think right, but no, no, we 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 do because uh, it's a good laugh. We we talk about it in the office, and we, I mean, I'm crying with laughter sometimes. They're they're so good, uh, but yeah, I, I get trolled at one end for. Do you know what? Here's a funny one. So I, I did a, we did a, an interview with a guy called E.B. Tucker. And E.B. Tucker is a, he used to write um, a couple of uh, newsletters for some well-known uh, individuals. And um, he's a bright guy. I really like him. He likes me. There you go. But we did, we said, right, so you're, you're promoting a book. You've been promoting it on multiple channels. You've told the same story every single interview. So I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, cause you've done it. Uh, we'll do a role play. You're trying to sell me gold. I don't know anything about gold. Sell me gold. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm an average investor. I know nothing about gold. And he went through, so we did this role play and I'm asking a bunch of dumb questions. You know, <laughs> the average gold investor, you know, uh, average investor wanting to invest in gold. So there's a bunch of dumb, like, you know, so dumb, they're clever questions. And 
we did the thing and uh, it was it was great. He did a better job. He didn't come out with his usual cliches and he told the story in a different way. So that was great. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I tell you. Can I say this? <laughs> this arrogant, conceited, oh, my God, all the words. Uh, you know, so-and-so, this doesn't know anything. And, and you're like... Uh, I did say at the beginning of the interview, I said it twice during the interview and I said at the end of the interview and I wrote it in the YouTube description and the article role play. Oh no, missed that bit. I guess they kind of skip through the, oh the words and stuff like that. So that was, so I did, I did get a lot of stick for that one. So that was kind of, but you know, and sometimes when I'm tough on companies that people are invested in, they right. don't like that, but I'm, but I'm tough because I think the companies with its CEOs talking out his backside, um, you know, or, or he's not being honest or not telling us what we need to know or just hiding stuff. So, you know, it's at the same time I'm right. sort of tougher, but it's the right. other end that surprised me. I'm being told off by people for not being tough enough. I'm getting, I'm getting at both ends. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Gosh. I was going to use an unfortunate phrase. I won't use that. So I'm getting, I'm getting it from both ends. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I mean, or as, or as, as, Mal as Malcolm a... Malcolm Day would say, I'm I'm, I'm getting the it's this a spit roast of uh, trolling there. That's what I was getting. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's image. there's always going to be a vocal minority, right? But I'm sure that the vast majority of people appreciate your content. Who knows? And who knows? And and I and I genuinely. They, the trolls need to know. I genuinely don't care. Uh, that's the wonderful thing. Um, about all of this, right? We can choose yeah. to care or not. And yeah, I exactly. really don't care. What's an idiot thing? <laughs> exactly. Um, well, there we go. That's the end. End of a end of a lovely discussion and lovely romp through the world of uranium yeah. and yeah. Uh, and the like. So we you yeah. so I'm, I'm slightly slightly later, and that was my fault. I was trying to get rid of some guests. So we're here for lunch with us. They wouldn't leave. It's terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. I, I like them. Friends, family. Family. <laughs> family. You, do, you get to choose oh, your friends. Man. You know that, don't you? You get to choose well, your friends. I hope that our, our scheduled talk didn't interrupt that, or maybe no, it was an excuse to it was, it clear was, out the house. I was delighted. Delighted <laughs> when I got your text saying, I'm ready. <laughs> Scampered Glad off. Glad to help. Glad to Thank help. you. You're yeah, you're an absolute you. star and a legend. Uh, what about you? What are you off today? Um, today is Sunday, so I'm going to. Oh yes. I'm yes, updating course. the um, my stock picks document that I do every quarter. So mm -hmm. I'm updating that today. I'm going to put that out in the next couple of days for for the premium subscribers. That's going to take me some time today. Mm -hmm. Um adding a couple of positions, removing a couple of positions. And At least you do I that. I like that you do that. I like that you do yeah. that. You got to know when you got it wrong. It. Well, you know, you remove. sort of like, yeah. you remove a view. You don't sort of, yeah. lastly, are we having a chat this week with someone who said, because we've got this um, thing called um, the club. So we've got this Crux Investor Club thing. It's a sort of, right. it's a sort of secret society of very clever investors. And we're sort of in public beta at the moment. And uh, we, we interview Members, so they, they come on the show, they come and have a chat, they come and tell us how they got into it and what they, what they do, what they've got wrong, what they've got right. And it's, it's just absolutely fascinating. 
absolutely brilliant people and yeah. so you're intelligent and um yeah so we so we 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 try and we try and learn from each other so i quite i quite like that but you know the one came on this week and said biggest mistake was buying something it started going wrong so he doubled down he thought oh it's gonna go it's go back higher again so i'll buy some more okay he, he did that another three times and uh, I think it went down to something for that. It was like 5% of its original value. It's like, yeah, that wasn't so good. That wasn't so good. Sometimes you just got to call it. Take your money off the table. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. It's averaging down is risky business. I mean, you really, you really got to know what you're doing. You really have to have 100% confidence in, in the turnaround. Otherwise it's, yeah, there's, you know, investments that I've made with less confidence fundamentally or technically, technically investments, it's easy to cut the cord. You just, you, you have that stop loss level set at the time of entry, you know, with the amount of percentage of your portfolio you're willing to risk on a loss to size your position. I mean, that's how I've always done it anyways, that easy to cut, but that's, it's that in between. So thing was one of those for me yeah you know, we made a good options trade back in december and made a like, 50 percent trade on that one um got out in january got back in i think it was in february and ended up selling out at a small loss it just didn't work and that's one that you know a lot of people put a lot of fundamental time into and were absolutely right on the thesis and it just didn't play out yet i mean maybe it will still but yeah, you got to know. And you, ha- you know what? I mean, for me, the positions that I'm um, removing from recommendations is more along the lines of just things have changed with the company, you know? And and if that, if, if the story changes and it's not in your favor, or you're not comfortable with how the story has changed. It's like, well, there are companies that I really, really like and really feel strongly about. So why not just mo- put that money into something that I feel more comfortable sitting on? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody has their own way of doing it, but I think that my willingness to be cut throughout with cutting positions when the story changes is actually a, one of, one of my better traits as an investor. Yeah. Just unemotional, cut the cord, get out, put it in something that you like better. Like porn to uranium. Would that do it for you? That a, What's that? If you, if you move from like porn to uranium, that, from corn, corn, yeah. <laughs> oh, porn. Porn. From porn to uranium. Oh, like, like I you've see. never you heard the word. You said that like you've never heard the word before. No, <laughs> I thought you said porn. I was like, which corn? is a commodity I'm actually kind of interested in for the company. Oh, I can days. see why. Oh. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I see. You're you're bringing the story back to Delecta. Yeah, that's. I was. You see, you see what I did there? It's like clever. <laughs> this isn't. This is all. You should be a stand-up comedian. That's the punchline at the end. You bring it back. Too funny. I'm too funny. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen these? I've seen these battle roasts. I've been watching these battle roasts. I quite like those. That also sounds like Roast porn, but it's so not. Um, it's uh, where two comedians stand up and sort of rip each other, um, and they get the, the crowd votes on them. So it's it's uh, it's a new thing to me. I haven't seen a battle roast. I've seen plenty of roasts, which are great. It is so good to see people willing to say terrible things to make each other uncomfortable. I think we need more of that in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a uh, crikey. It was 
um, show Snoop Dogg get roasted. That was hilarious. Too too funny. Too funny. Yeah, Mr. Hinchcliffe gets my vote on that one. Great guy. But look, anyway, we're, we, we, yeah. we should save this for off, uh, off ears, okay. as it were. Um, right, Justin, thanks so much. Wonderful to talk to you again. We'll speak to you next week. And for anyone listening, you should go and check out the uraniuminsider.com newsletter. There's a free one and a paid one. Um, but uh, at least have a little sniff around because I think the last one that Justin did was full of very good work and well worth a read. Justin, I'm going to love you, you and leave you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Matt. Good to talk to you as always. 